inspired. We love God. We ought to be able to talk about Him. Getting you started on your day. With the latest in breaking news and information. From the Vatican to the White House and everything in between. It's serious. It's fun. It's your Catholic drive time. Now here's your host, Joe McClain. Praise be to Jesus Christ. Welcome back to Catholic Drive Time. Keeping you informed and inspired. I'm your host, Joe McClain. So good to be on with you. Praise be to God. On uh, Wednesday, July the 27th, 2022. Can you believe it? July is almost over. By the grace of God, it is almost over. You've almost survived July. August is uh, right around the corner already, praise be to Jesus. Uh, Coming up this hour, though, we're going to talk about the Pope's Canadian apologetics, air quotes, uh, tour in Canada from a Canadian perspective. Kennedy Hall's going to join us. To talk about some of the big issues, I was just listening to the Pope's homily yesterday up there. And so we're going to dive into a lot of that conversation coming up at 35 past the hour. So stick around for that. Hey, new reports suggest that uh, Catholic and Chief Justice of the Supreme Court, John Roberts, (laughs) tried vigorously to prevent overturning Roe v. Wade. We'll cover that in the What's Concerning Us section. David L. Gray is on the program in the next hour. We Hopefully you can join us for that. He's going to be covering Bishop Paparaki, who has uh, put out a very clear statement on whether or not pro-choice politicians, business leaders who are outspoken in public should receive Holy Communion. We're going to cover that story at the top of the next hour. So much going on in the news, though. Uh, The first major peer-reviewed study of monkeypox. Much to the chagrin of so many people who think you can get this from just about anywhere. Turns out, from this peer-reviewed study, you primarily get it from where? Gay and bisexual, homosexual sex. So, avoid that, and you might be fine. I don't know. The World Economic Forum is now advocating that uh, there should be no private ownership of vehicles. Uh Uh-huh. Yeah, that's going to go over great in Texas. Hey, the statement announcing the actor that actor Tony Dow forever immortalized as Wally Cleaver on Leave It to Beaver has in fact not died. So if you got that on your your Twitter feed or social media feed, it is not true. It was an overreaction by his wife. So uh, let's pray for his health and make sure that <laughs> goes okay for the rest of the day. Uh, hmm. Wishful think? I don't, I don't know. I have no idea what's Did going on there. Beaver is married? Uh, leave I'm it to confused. Beaver. You watched that as a kid, right? Um, leave it to Beaver? Is that mm-hmm. the, like a woodchuck? Like uh, how much would would woodchuck no. chuck woodchuck could chuck wood? Mm-mm. Mm-mm. Not that kind of beaver. Not that kind, of, kind beaver. of beaver. I watched okay. Leave it to Beaver as a kid. Reruns, okay? They were reruns, but nonetheless... Uh, I watched it. So, Tony now, hopefully you're having a good day today. Hey, electric bus catches fire in Hamden, Connecticut. Officials say lithium-ion battery fires are hard to put out. Apparently, they just kind of, you know, pollute the environment and, you know, reignite all the time. Hey, and this comes just one single day after Connecticut officials celebrated the passage of the Connecticut Clean Air Act. So, there was that. Good morning to you. Rudy Carlos. Good morning, Joe. Mm-hmm. And now my car is going to be, man, it's going to be top of the line now. Is it? Because yesterday yeah? I replaced a very important part. So Ooh. now the emissions have just completely plummeted. They're just gone. No emissions. That's what the radiator, do- the radiator does, right? Yes. <laughs> sure. <laughs> Why not? I thought you were going to say you replaced your engine, but okay. No. 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 I would like to do I, that. however, did get the uh, O2 sensor finally replaced. Oh, you did? I mean, I couldn't do it myself, did you do it? Oh. so I had to pay my mechanic if to do it. If you paid someone to do it, 
does that mean you did it? And then I like, think so. Oh, that's you right. know, when that's I show up, point. when I show up at the uh, at my mechanics uh, shop, and I'm notorious there. Uh, I, I have the part that I purchased because I was going to do the job myself, but apparently I'm <laughs> I'm not really a man, so I'm not able to do it. So I put it on the counter. And he just gave me the the rolled eye look. Oh like, no! Uh, not, not again, Joe. Not again. We're we're saving your bacon one more time. Like how many things did you break this exactly. time? Exactly. <laughs> yes, that's exactly right. But he's like Joe, would you like to uh, come in and be an intern? Do, <laughs> yeah. wanna, no, he's like, no, please this? don't be an intern here. <laughs> <laughs> we would like to fix cars properly. <laughs> thank you, but no, thank you. <laughs> At any rate, it's going to be a great program today. So much it to is. cover. Praise be to Jesus. Uh, oh, I forgot. I, I you know, our friend. Um, who is filming the uh, the, mir- the Eucharistic Miracles uh, movie? Yeah, Mr. Booty. Yeah, he's calling for uh, for people to come out to film. I think it's this weekend. The crucifixion scene. He asked if I'd come. I'm on my way. Where? Uh, to Los Angeles. Oh. <laughs> yeah, it's the only downside, right? Uh, I wish I could go, but unfortunately, I don't think I can. That would been that would have been super fun, super yeah. cool. But we're gonna catch up on so much today. It's gonna be good to have Kennedy Hall back on the program. So stick around for that. Uh, let's pray, and let's get started. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost, amen. Remember, O most gracious Virgin Mary, that never was it known that anyone who fled to thy protection, implored thy help, or sought thine intercession was left unaided. Inspired by this confidence, I fly unto thee, O Virgin of virgins, my mother. To thee do I come, before thee I stand, sinful and sorrowful. O Mother of the Word incarnate, despise not my petitions, but in thy mercy hear and answer me. Amen. In the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Ghost. And now your headlines with Rudy Carlos. Good morning. Thanks for tuning in to Catholic Drive Time. Today's Wednesday, July 27th, and here are your headlines this morning. This one's from Reuters. The headline goes, Far from Ukraine, Russia plans big Eastern war games next month. Russia plans to hold strategic military exercises in the east of the country starting next month, the defense ministry said on Tuesday. The previous Vostok drills in 2018 took place on a massive scale with nearly 300,000 troops reported to be involved, including Chinese troops for the first time. Whether and on what scale China takes part this year will provide significant clues to the state of bilateral relations between Russia and Beijing at a time of heightened confrontation between Russia and the West. The Epic Times reports Biden administration to sell 20 million more barrels of oil from the Strategic Petroleum Reserve. The Biden administration plans to sell an additional 20 million barrels of oil, according to a notice of sale filed on July 26. Interested parties were told to submit offers to the U.S. Department of Energy by August 2nd to purchase the oil, with delivery slated to take place between September and October. According to an analysis released by the U.S. Department of Treasury, the release of barrels from the reserve, along with the release of additional barrels by International Energy Administration partners, has lowered the price of gas by 17 cents to 42 cents a gallon. Breitbart reports Ron DeSantis's Florida files complaint against bar that held lewd drag show for children. The Florida Department of Business and Professional Regulations served a complaint Tuesday on a bar in Miami that offers drag shows to children and which was recently featured in a viral video showing a topless drag queen attempting to entertain a young girl. The bar has 21 days to respond to the administrative complaint. If the bar is found to be in violation of local laws and codes, it could then lose its liquor license, effectively putting it out of business. Let's pray for that. The Daily Wire reports Walmart margin uh, projections plummet as consumers tighten their budgets. Walmart, Walmart slashed its profit predictions as consumers react to inflation by buying essentials rather than more expensive products. 
The retail giant announced that its earnings per share will fall between 8% to 9% for the second quarter and 11 to 13% for the, for the year as a result of inflationary pressures and their effects on American consumers. Those were your headline news this morning. God love you. The saint of the day is going to be a difficult one to pronounce all these different names. The saint of the day is Saint Pantaleon, born in the 3rd century. According to the martyrologies, Pantaleon was the son of a rich pagan. Eustorgius of Nicodemia, Nicomedia, had been instructed in Christianity by his Christian mother, Saint Uobula. However, after her death, he fell away from the Christian church. While he studied medicine with a renowned physician, Euphrosinius, he became physician of the emperor Galerius. He was won back to Christianity by Saint Hermolius, a bishop of the church at Nicomedia, who convinced him that Christ was the better physician, signaling the significance of the exemplum of Pantaleon that faith is to be trusted over medical advice. Hmm. That might be some good advice right there. St. Alphonse Liguori wrote regarding this incident, he studied medicine with success. That Emperor Maximum appointed him as his physician. One day, as our saint was discoursing with a holy priest named Hermolius, the latter, after praising the study of medicine, concluded thus, But my friend, of what use are all thy acquirements in this art, since thou art ignorant of the science of salvation? By miraculously healing a blind man, by invoking the name of Jesus over him, Pantaleon converted his father, upon whose death he came into possession of a large fortune. He freed his slaves, and distributing his wealth among the poor, developed a great reputation in Nicomedia. Envious colleagues denounced him to the emperor during the Diocletian persecution, and the emperor wished to save him, and sought to persuade him to apostasy. Pantaleon, however, openly confessed his faith, and as proof that Christ was a true God, he healed a paralytic. Notwithstanding this, he was condemned to death by the emperor, who regarded the miracle as an exhibition of magic. According to legend, Pantaleon's flesh was first burned with torches, whereupon Christ appeared to all in the form of Hermolius to strengthen and heal Pantaleon. The torches were extinguished, then a bath of molten lead was prepared. When the apparition of Christ stepped into the cauldron with him, the fire went out and the lead became cold. Pantaleon was now thrown into the sea, loaded with the great stone, which floated. He was thrown into with the wild beasts, but these fawned upon him and could not be forced away until he had blessed them. He was bound on the wheel, but the rope snapped and the wheel broke. An attempt was made to behead him, but the sword bent and the executioners were all converted to Christianity. Pantaleon implored heaven to forgive them, for which reason he also received the name Pantalemion mercy for everyone, or all compassionate. It was not until he himself desired that it was possible to behead him, upon which there issued forth blood in a white liquid li like milk. St. Alphonsus wrote, At Revolo, a city in the kingdom of Naples, there is a vial of his blood, which becomes blood every year on his feast day, and may be seen in this state, interspersed with the milk, as I, the author of this work, have seen it. He died in 305, St. Pantaleon, pray for us. Praise be to God in all things. The gospel today comes to us from Matthew chapter 13, verses 44 through 46. Jesus said to his disciples, The kingdom of heaven is like a treasure buried in a field, which a person finds 
and hides again, and out of joy goes and sells all that he has and buys that field. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant searching for fine pearls. When he finds a pearl of great price, he goes and sells all that he has and buys it. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. You might recall yesterday, St. Jerome uh, said, he pointed out, rather, in his commentary in yesterday's Gospel, that no one in the crowd bothered to ask Jesus for clarification on the parables you know, that he was using to teach them with, other than the apostles themselves. No one said, hey, you know, odds a little under, hard to understand, might you... Help me to understand better. No one did that. That's interesting. Keep that in mind today. Haydock's commentary says, This hidden treasure in the gospel is the gospel of Christ, which conducts to the kingdom of heaven. Thus, he who, by the knowledge which the gospel affords, has found the kingdom of heaven, should purchase it at the expense of everything most near and dear to him. He cannot pay too great a price for his purchase. Close quote. That's Haydock's commentary. Great summary, I would say, today of the gospel. Ignatius allegorically uh, points out the Ignatius Catholic commentary from St. Irenaeus. says, Christ himself is the great treasure hidden within the field of the Old Testament scriptures. Only in light of his cross and resurrection can the mysteries of the old be fully understood to announce the advent of God's Son. Close quote from Ignatius Catholic Commentary. St. Chrysostom would say, For the gospel preaching is hidden in this world, and if you do not sell your all, you will not purchase it. And this you ought to do with joy. Close quote, St. Chrysostom. St. Gregory the Great points out, The treasury hidden in the field is the desire of heaven. The field in which the treasure is hidden is the discipline of heavenly learning. This, when a man finds, he hides in order that he may preserve it. For zeal and affections heavenward, it is not enough that we protect from evil spirits if we do not protect from human praises. When I say this, I do not mean that our neighbors should not see our works, but that in what we do we should not seek the praise from without. Close quote, St. Gregory the Great. St. Chrysostom would go on to say, One pearl, the most precious of all, is the knowledge of the Savior and the sacraments of his passion and resurrection, which when the, the, the merchant man has found, like Paul the Apostle, he straightway despises all the mysteries of the law and the prophets and the old observances in which he had lived blameless, counting them as dung that he may win Christ. Ask for clarity. Some Protestants use 1 Timothy 4, 1 through 3 against the Catholic practice of consecrated celibacy and Lenten observances because Paul calls the forbidding of marriage and the consumption of meat doctrines of demons. Do Catholics need to be exercised? No. And here are some reasons why. First, Paul can't be condemning consecrated celibacy because in the next chapter he gives Timothy instructions on proper implementation of consecrated celibacy with regard to enrolled widows. Also, Paul can't be condemning all forms of abstinence from meats since he was part of the decision at the Council of Jerusalem in Acts 15 that decreed Gentile Christians abstain from meats offered to idols. What Paul was condemning is the Gnostic belief that nobody should marry and that one should always abstain from meats because matter is evil. So, fear not, Catholics, you have no need for an exorcism. I'm Carlo Broussard with the ready reason for Catholic Answers, Catholic.com.
Years ago, when I started acting, modeling, and singing in Mexico, my Catholic faith was not the center of my life. It took me many years to discover that success, fame, money, and all the pleasures of the world were not going to fulfill me. I got to a point in my life where I thought I had everything, but I realized something was missing. Thankfully, I began a faith journey that brought me back to God and the home to the Catholic Church. You can too. Discover more at CatholicsComeHome.com. be to Jesus Christ. Welcome back to Catholic Drive Time, keeping you informed and inspired. I'm your host, Joe McLean. So good to be on with you. Praise be to God. Good morning. Coming up at 35 past the hour, Kennedy Hall from the Kennedy Report is going to be our guest. He's also written many times for uh, LifeSite News and other outlets. I'm like 1 Peter 5, I think, comes to mind. Um, but we're going to talk about the Pope's tour in Canada. Um, what is he apologizing for? Oh, what are the issues there? What were the crimes committed? And how do Canadians see this? All of that coming up at 35 past the hour with Kennedy Hall. Please stick around for that if you can. Share us with a friend along the way. That'd be wonderful. But there are, as I say, lots of stories in the news that are a great concern to me, and I'm sure that they are to you as well. And here's a story I saw this morning out of Daily Wire. Uh, the headline says, Chief Justice Roberts lobbied court conservatives hard to salvage Roe. This is according to a, as I said, dailywire.com, which is uh, quoting a new report here. It says, new reports suggest that Chief Justice John Roberts lobbied hard to prevent the more conservative members of the Supreme Court, namely Justice Samuel Alito, Clarence Thomas, Neil Gorsuch, Brett Kavanaugh, and Amy Coney Barrett from voting to overturn Roe v. Wade. Roberts ultimately voted with six ju- with the six justice majority upholding a new Mississippi abortion law, capping abortions at 15 weeks in the Dobbs v. Jackson Women's Health Organization, but joined the four justices uh, in the minority in voting to uphold Roe. However, he did pen his own dissenting opinion, stating that he would have opened the door for states to impose stricter limits on abortions, particularly after the first trimester. Now, I find this interesting. Um, I'll read you the rest of it here in a moment. Uh, Justice Roberts is a is a Catholic, so I'm confused. If, as uh, the other justices have said, Clarence Thomas made clear that the decision on Roe v. Wade was done so with great flaws and needed to be corrected, which is why he suggested we need to correct other such decisions based on the same philosophy, which was flawed and needed corrections, uh, for instance, Obergefell, and same-sex unions. So from a legal perspective, it sounds like, you know, it just made sense because they didn't even really address the uh, sort of the ethical, moral issues of abortion in their decision. They just said, from a law perspective, this was bad decision-making. It needed fixing, so we fixed it. Finally, 50 years down the road. So from a law, I'm not an attorney. I did stay at a Holiday Inn once, but nonetheless... Uh, I just trust that, okay, fine, needed fixing from a legal perspective. From a Catholic perspective, though, I'm struggling to understand here because uh, from a Catholic perspective, we truly believe, as natural law would suggest, that, and not only that, the science as well, that conception begins, or life begins at conception. Life begins at conception. So why would we want any abortion whatsoever? 
Why it's not just supporting, you know, stricter rules against abortion. Why would we want from a Catholic perspective, why would we want any abortion whatsoever? But Joe, what about in cases of rape? The baby's not to blame for the faults of dad. The baby shouldn't be punished. Why should the baby have a death sentence because of the crimes committed by its father? Doesn't make sense to me. Now, but what about the woman and what about her rights? The baby is not her body. The baby is a body within a body. A body. And it gets uh, very troubling, especially when you start to look at, oh, well, so few cases. Statistically, it is a sliver of the abortion pie that are involved in rape or, and or incest. And yet that's the argument that gets pulled out quite a bit. So from Justice uh, Roberts' uh, situation here, he's a Catholic, but seems to support abortion totally in uh, contradiction to the, his own faith, totally in contradiction to natural law, and seemingly also in contradiction to good jurisprudence. But I'm not an attorney. I don't know. But I do trust that uh, Justice Thomas's opinion on this was sound and right. We've consulted attorneys, for instance, Brent Haynes, friend of the program, on a, a number of occasions on that very point. So the article goes on to say, and according to recent reporting, Roberts worked diligently to bring the conservative justices around until someone leaked an early opinion draft indicating the landmark abortion case, along with the subsequent Planned Parenthood v. Casey, could be in danger. CNN reported that Roberts had been focused on swaying the two newest justices, Kavanaugh and Barrett, but that he had been derailed somewhat when the leaked draft authored by Justice Alito became public. Quote, Roberts' persuasive efforts, difficult even from the start, were thwarted by the sudden public nature of the state of play. Close quote, the report stated, going on to say, quote, he can usually work in private, seeking and offering concessions without anyone beyond the court knowing how he or other individual justices have voted or what they may be writing, close quote. The report also concluded that Roberts's first uh, Roberts's efforts, however fervent, did not appear to be moving the needle with regard to Kavanaugh and Barrett, even before the leak, and added that if threats against their families was not enough to sway them from their position, it was unlikely the Chief Justice would have been successful. Uh, a number of critics followed the decision overturning Roe with accusations against Kavanaugh and Barrett specifically claiming that they had lied during their Senate confirmation hearings when they stated that the 1973 decision was precedent. Well, well, it was precedent. But does, does that mean precedent can't be overturned? I mean, they didn't lie. You asked them, is it precedent? It's precedent. But does that mean precedent can't be overturned? That's the question. Article goes on to say, but both also declined to answer any questions about how they might vote in future cases, as those questions were rooted in hy hypotheticals and precedents have been overturned in the past when the law was later found to be unjust. Examples of those include Plessy versus Ferguson, which allowed racial segregation under the banner of, quote, separate but equal, close quote and was later overturned in Brown v. Board of Education. And uh, Korematsu versus the United States 
under which Japanese Americans were rounded up and placed in internment camps while the United States battled the Empire of Japan in World War II. So, I don't understand uh, Chief Justice John Roberts from any perspective, to be honest with you. And I wonder if his, uh, if his bishop will have an opportunity to speak with him about this. Like, I'm confused. Why in the world would you, if it's been, in fact, a bad decision and needed to be overturned for just legal reasons alone, then from a life perspective, from a natural law perspective, I mean, yes, we have God telling us specifically, very clearly, thou shalt not kill. Very clear. We accept that. But let's say you don't accept that. Well, God also makes it clear through the words of St. Paul in his letter to the Romans that God has written upon the heart of every man, no matter where they are, that murdering another person is wrong. We all know this. You don't have to have gone to CCD, Sunday school, or a Bible study to know this. You all know that murdering another person is wrong. And, of course, we hold that, uh, that life begins at conception. And so does science, by the way. So does science. It becomes clear where we should all be on this issue. But nonetheless, for whatever reason, Chief Justice John Roberts has just hold the line for abortion. College you is. When are Catholics just simply going to be Catholic? Let the chips fall where they may. Here's another story that kind of breaks my heart. It's not a new one, though. It's an old story that's uh, been uh, discussed again recently on LifeNews.com. The headline says, Denmark has killed almost every baby with Down syndrome in abortion. I want that to sink in. I want you to uh, think about that for a second. I'll read it to you one more time. Denmark has killed almost every baby with Down syndrome in abortion. Back in September, uh, according to this article, we repost a story from a few years back that told the grim truth about the fate of babies with Down syndrome in Denmark. In 2019, there were virtually none, just 18 babies. Says, when I read, quote, The Last Children of Down Syndrome by Sarah Zhang, which is brilliantly written, which is a brilliant, brilliantly written piece that appears in the Atlantic magazine, I immediately thought of that story as well as the 2017 story from CBS News about Iceland titled, What Kind of Society Do You Want to Live In? Inside the Country Where Down Syndrome is Disappearing. Now the article basically goes on, I'll summarize a little bit for you here, but the article basically goes on to talk about how in Denmark, they have no issues with abortion. They're happy to discuss it publicly. They're happy to abort their children. They seem no contradiction morally, ethically, psychologically, emotionally. Um, and they get these tests done before their child is born. And if it looks like it's possible that their children are, have this extra chromosome, well, they just abort them. I wonder how many kids were aborted through faulty testing. Because you know that's not 100% accurate, right? I mean, you do know that. That although they do those tests, they can be wrong about those tests. You know how I know? Because the 18 that survived were as a result to a bad test. Because they had taken that test, and they were told that their babies were just fine, and then they were born to discover their baby had Down syndrome. And now they had a child that they were taking care of. And I don't know if it was reluctant or otherwise. I would hope... 
giving them the benefit of the doubt that upon seeing the beauty of their child, the grandeur of God's image and likeness stamped upon this child, that they fell madly and deeply in love with their babies and repented for the thought that they would ever do such a horrible crime. But nonetheless, it's through faulty testing that these 18 survivors have been given a chance to live. Because otherwise, they would have just murdered them. Do these children not deserve to live? Do they not? Uh, are they not worthy to be on this planet because they aren't, you know, producing members of society at the level that we demand and expect? Like, why is it that we would have such a distorted view of the world to say that such beauty such grandeur, such uh, incredible, uh, awesome life, and the lives of these children with Down syndrome don't deserve a right to exist? It's bizarre to me. And yet people like Chief Justice John Roberts are like, hey, let's have some, you know, a little bit of restrictions. Sure, why not? But nonetheless, let's keep Roe in place. I mean, really? At some point, uh, pro-choice Catholics are going to have to give an account for this. And I'll never forget, because I'm post-abortive, reading the Apocalypse of St. Peter, the Passion of St. Peter, which was a 4th, 5th, 6th century document uh, falsely attributed to the Apostle. Nonetheless, it gives an account of the Passion of our Lord. Very detailed, very good. I would say you should read it. It's the ending that's the most troubling, and which is why the Church basically threw it out of the canon. But it was the vision of hell, the lake of fire, and those that suffer in it, and the children who were aborted standing on the rim, staring at them as they suffer in their torments, that caught and gripped my attention most of all. Let us pray for the conversion of those that would support abortion, and let's pray for the repose of the souls of all lost. This is Dale Alquist with a Chesterton Minute. Have you ever heard someone say that Catholic theology is too dogmatic? that the faith should be freer, more liberal? Well, G.K. Chesterton says there will be no end to the weary debates about liberalizing theology until people face the fact that the only liberal part of it is really the dogmatic part. Their problem, he says, is not that there's not enough freedom in the dogma, but rather too much. The dogma gives man too much freedom when it permits him to actually be responsible for his sins. The dogma gives God too much freedom when it permits him to suffer and die. The dogma gives the church too much freedom when it gives it authority. It's not the doctrines that limit us. It is the denial of them. It's only the truth that makes us free. Want more than a minute? Chesterton.org Looking for a Catholic university where the greatest works of Western and Catholic tradition are the foundation for learning, all in an environment that is faithful to the magisterium? Recommended by the Cardinal Newman Society, the University of Dallas offers an exceptional liberal arts education, preserving the wisdom of the past while preparing students for the world-changing futures. Academically excellent, always faithful. Apply today at udallas.edu. Welcome back to Catholic Drive Time, keeping you informed and inspired. And now more headlines. This one's from Breitbart. Headline goes, investors who buy mobile home parks spike rents for low-income Americans. 
Americans across New York, Iowa, Minnesota, and Montana are detailing how Wall Street-linked firms have driven up their rents while cutting their services after buying the mobile home parks where they live. A resident of Iowa of an Iowa mobile home park, rather, bought up by Haven Park Communities, said his rent and fees to live there have nearly doubled over the last two years. Another resident at a park bought by Impact Communities said their rent was increased 87% in just four years. The same is occurring in Minnesota where mobile, mobile home park residents said their rents have increased by up to 30% as private equity firms from other states have increased their buying of parks from 46% in 2015 to 81% in 2021. The Daily Wire reports New York man released from jail hours after attempting to assassinate a pro-life lawmaker. The attacker of a pro-life Republican congressman, Lee Zeldin, has been released from jail just hours after he attempted to stab the New York representative. On July 22nd, 43-year-old David Jankabonis was released from jail after being charged with second-degree attempted assault for his attack on Zeldin during a campaign stop in Parrington, New York, according to a Monroe County Sheriff's Office press release. And the Washington Examiner reports COVID-19 vaccine mandate sparks crisis in National Guard. Republican lawmakers are calling on Defense Secretary Lloyd Austin to rescind a policy that has cut pay and benefits for nearly 60,000 Guard and Reserve troops who have refused to be vaccinated for COVID-19. The troops have also been barred from training exercises while the Pentagon weighs whether to boot them from the force. Representative Mike Waltz says, quote, I understand law and order, discipline. You tell the platoon to charge the machine gun and they got to do it, unquote. And he continues, but also as leaders, we have to evaluate our orders and whether it's worth the risk. And in this case, you have a vaccine that has now been shown not to stop the spread. That's a personal health decision on what kind of symptoms you want to endure versus the guaranteed loss of tens of thousands of soldiers you can't replace, unquote. And those were your headline news this morning. God love you. Praise be to God in all things. Thank you, Rudy, for keeping us up to date. Now, we all know that recently His Holiness Pope Francis landed in Canada for a much-publicized tour there, an apologetics tour, air quotes there. See where I'm going with that? Uh, and I just saw a headline this morning at catholicculture.org that said, uh, Pope in Canada ruse disastrous error of residential schools. And we wanted to get a Canadian's perspective on this event, and so we've invited Kennedy Hall from the Kennedy Report. Good morning to you, Kennedy. He joins us now by phone. Hello, how are you? Praise be to God, I'm alive. How are you? Good. I'm, uh, I'm making blueberry pancakes for my kids as I'm on the phone. So you hear children <laughs> in the background, that's why. <laughs> D- double dipping, multitasking. Boy, that's sophistication right there. Praise be to Jesus. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Kennedy, this is uh, an interesting tour that we're seeing. I, Justin Trudeau wanted him to come sooner, but he's, he's finally arrived. Much publicity, much fanfare. And one of the big questions we've been asking on the show since Monday has been, well, what exactly is he apologizing for? What, what are the issues at stake? Right. So very brief history on the residential schools. Um, the residential school program was a government program. And essentially, it was made mandatory that uh, kids in remote communities that couldn't attend schools that were first, they were called Indian, then Native, then uh, Indigenous, or no, then Aboriginal, then First Nations, then Indigenous. I grew up calling them Native, so I'm going to say Native. Anyway, um, basically, the Catholic school system was extensive across the country in the 1800s, as they were the only ones really educating people. And so a lot of those schools 
then basically entered the residential school program. What would happen was is that uh, the government would go around the country to very remote parts and bring the kids to the schools. Sometimes, though, it happened against the parents' will, which is obviously wrong because parents have first rights over their kids. Uh, but that was the government doing it, not the churches doing. So essentially, the church inherited this system. And over the 50 or 60 years where the schools were mandated, sadly, as has been the case, there were cases of bad treatment and abuse okay. of all kinds. Uh, last year, there was the hoax of the mass graves, which actually turned out to be just community cemeteries. Imagine that. I think I live near a mass grave down the road. We just call it the cemetery. <laughs> and and uh, it was, there, there's a whole backstory to that. But point is, it was a hoax, and that didn't matter. Reuters is still calling it the 250 unmarked graves of children, et cetera, et cetera. Literally, there are grown-ups buried there that are white because it was just a parish cemetery. Mm. But now it's land that is owned by a native reserve, and they never replaced the wooden crosses that disintegrated. Anyway, uh, so basically, that sparked this whole, uh, you know, Justin Trudeau, he doesn't like to let America have all the fun. So he said, we need to have our own summer of love. We need to have our own Black Lives Matter movement. So he made one up uh, in his own way. And uh, so the Pope is here to apologize for, generally speaking, abuses done to nation, uh, native kids by uh, clergy and some nuns, which is totally legitimate. There was some bad stuff done. But so far, positive news, the Pope has not actually mentioned the uh, graves. He has not uh, apologized for that. I don't know if he has good advisors <laughs> somehow. And the lefties, though, are super mad because they're saying his apology means nothing unless he admits that the Catholic Church systemically killed millions of children. So there, that's where we are right now. Now, Mr. Hall, you know, these grave sites, it's, it seems like uh, a lot of people are still reporting them as if they actually exist, but no one has actually even dug through the sites, right? There's never been an actual uh, forensic analysis of, or excavation well, no, of these grave sites, right? This is what's crazy. There was this commission called the Truth and Reconciliation Commission, mm -hmm. and it happened, I think, for about eight years under Prime Minister Stephen Harper before Trudeau. And they have every single child who ever went to residential school accounted for in the records. And they have every single deceased child uh, in the records. There's not a single mathematical aberration. Uh, it's actually quite amazing that it even happened. And to be honest, it only happened because the Catholic Church keep such extensive records. Mm. Um, so they have that. So none of the numbers even match. So in these grave sites, whether or not uh, it's children or adults or indigenous or white or whatever, it doesn't matter. The numbers are there. Unless there were these, like, you, you, have, to, you have to pile conspiracy on top of conspiracy on top of conspiracy. It's like, it's not only are they, un, are they, are they uh, is it an Auschwitz scenario where they just chuck a bunch of people into graves? Not only is it that, but also, there were thousands of children that the church was just hiding from the government for reasons of ritual, you know, murder or something. Like, it's just insane. I mean, mm. you know, even in the worst case of what happened, because there were isolated cases of abuse and death penalty is barely severe enough, in my opinion, for an abuser. That being said, there's a big difference between, you know, really sad events that take place because someone's evil versus like I was listening to some lady yesterday. She was on a Detroit Windsor radio station 
And she was talking about, like, literally, she said, the Catholic Church in Canada killed millions of people. I don't know how that's possible. There were about 150,000 natives that were here when the Catholic Church came over, so apparently they killed more than existed. Um, <laughs> also, um, she said that they, literally, she's like, they just have to apologize because they just kept killing children. It's like, where did this even come from? Uh, you know, did they, did they actually, I don't know. It's really, it's really silly. So uh, the Pope, at least, though, is not apologizing for something that didn't happen. He's, he's done some disservice to the country, sadly, in some of the comments, but it's actually gone better than I thought it would. Well, that's good. Uh, just as a follow-up question, uh, is it, um, do, you, do you know if it's fairly accepted, you know, by, by the Canadians that this actually happened? Or are people buying this narrative? Or are people just kind of thinking, oh, I don't know, this isn't really real news? Uh, to be honest, it is, I don't know if it's 50-50. It's kind of like, you know, if you say vaccine save lives to somebody on the street, what's the chance you're going to get someone who high-fives you or somebody who punches you in the face? <laughs> um, you know, um, the National Post is kind of like Canada's Wall Street Journal. Mm. It's the biggest conservative newspaper. And uh, LifeSite News, of course, and I wrote the article because we're always ahead of the curve over there. Um, we found a professor who, uh, he was a professor emeritus, so he was in a unique position. He, he wasn't going to get fired. <laughs> Uh, he, he was an anthropologist and knew the commission like the back of his hand. So he wrote a paper in like February, uh, in February or something outlining just everything from the commission saying that this was all nonsense. Um, we reported that in February at LifeSite. Finally, I want to say it was either late May or early June, the National Post, the biggest paper, the biggest conservative paper, it was uh, started by Lord Conrad Black, uh, they put out an uh, extensive piece. It's like a 45-minute read. It probably took the guy six months to write it. It was actually an incredible piece of journalism, literally debunking the entire thing. Uh, and they were so certain that it was debunked that they literally said, like, this was non-existent. It wasn't your classic squishy, you know, rhino Mitt Romney conservatism where they gave a pound of flesh just to take a little bit back. They literally said, this never happened. Uh, so it's probably, it's probably something like 50-50. Wow, we're right up against a break here with Kennedy Hall sure. from the Kennedy Report. Uh, he uh, also writes for LifeSite News and other outlets. Praise be to God. We're talking about the Canadian tour. Uh, I don't want to launch uh, into another deep question until the other side of the break, but real quick, though, the actual uh, real abuses, what decade did those take place in? Well, the, okay, so the residential schools were closed by 1950. So, as far as the mandatory, so I don't know before that. Okay, so the the chance for actually prosecuting people involved in those crimes is probably little to none at this point, given the time frame. So that's the tragedy. But I want to ask about colonization, asking for forgiveness for converting them or trying to. Is that real? We're coming up after the break. Each of us will be asked to review the movie of our life and give an account to God. We will sorrowfully relive the bad times and joyfully revisit the good. Thankfully, no matter what you've done, there is hope. Since Jesus came not to condemn the world, but to save it. So if you've been away from church for a while, we invite you to come home and find the peace that only comes from God. Visit CatholicsComeHome.org. 
Hello, this is Steve Gleason with your one-minute tool for Catholic evangelism. Here's the question for your non-Catholic friend. Have you ever thought, well, why can't a prayer at a Catholic Mass cause the Holy Spirit to come upon the bread and wine and thus turn it into the actual body and blood of Jesus? Well, here's your three best friendship tools for Catholic evangelism. Number one, remember, three of the most magnificent miracles were a result of the Holy Spirit coming upon someone or something such as the Holy Spirit came upon the face of the deep and God created the world. The Holy Spirit came upon Mary and she brought forth Jesus in her womb. Secondly, a boatload of scriptural support, such as 1 Corinthians 10.16, which says, The cup of blessing which we bless, is it not a participation in the blood of Christ? And thirdly, my honest reflection. Your transformation after a prayer for conversion was not and is not noticeable in the human eye. So then why do you reject a prayer which transforms bread and wine into Jesus' body and blood? I know the reason. Just a whole bunch of people have told you that. be to Jesus Christ. Welcome back to Catholic Drive Time, keeping you informed and inspired. I'm your host, Joe McClint. So good to be on with you. Kennedy Hall is our guest from the Kennedy Report. Uh, Kennedy, we were just having a contested, hotly contested debate during the break. I wonder if you can clarify things for us here on the CDP yeah. team. Uh, are there statuaries like a, like a, like a, you can't prosecute after a certain number of years in Canada, how do I know in America for murder you can doesn't there's no statute limitations, but what about abuse of a minor or something like that? What what is that like in Canada? Oh, like statutes of limitation. Uh, I actually don't know. Uh, I, don't, I it would depend if it was under federal or provincial. Um, mm. I actually, you know what? I'd have to look into that. I don't know. Okay, but I, yeah. no big deal. Uh, we were just curious of the differences between the U.S. and Canada on that. We're talking about the Pope's His Holiness being in Canada and asking for forgiveness. Now, for actual abuses, I don't think anybody should have a problem with asking for forgiveness for actual real abuses. It's the lies that we have issues with. But one of the big things I was listening to His Holiness's uh, uh, homily yesterday, and there was a lot of conversation th around colonization. Like, we're so sorry the Europeans tried to colonize you. We're so sorry that we're trying to make you into something you're not. Okay, we discussed this the other day here on the show, Kennedy. Uh, where's the fine line here between converting people and keeping some things from their culture and getting rid of some things that are related to, like, say, pagan uh, liturgies, idolatry, things like that? Where, where do you find the line? When is it okay to colonize and or convert people? Well... Uh, conversion is a duty. Um, ultimately, it's the Holy Ghost to convert, it's not us. But nonetheless, as we try to help out in our meager human way, then it's a duty for us to try at least. Um, so, you know, we have this wonderful history of the Canadian martyrs. And if I can get on my Canadian soapbox here for half a sec, <laughs> I know in uh, upstate New York, some people call them the American martyrs. But technically, they're actually called Canadian because... The word Canadian actually meant French, meant French settler of New France. Um, so even though I, I, I think it was either Jogue or Brebeuf, I can't remember which one, died in upstate New York. He was a martyr canadien because he was a French settler of uh, New France. Anyway, um, so uh, we have this glorious history of, of these amazing French Jesuits who came to Canada and, you know, had their index fingers and, and, and thumbs bitten off so they couldn't celebrate the Holy Sacrifice of the Mass. They had their heads bashed to pieces by tomahawks. Why did they do that? They did that because they loved all souls. 
and they couldn't give a damn whether they were brown or white. Who cares? It doesn't matter. It's all it's all irrelevant. Okay. Uh, so they came over and they decided that they would brave scurvy and frostbite and raging seas and hostile wildernesses and massive horsefly bites in those 42 days of summer you get in northern Ontario. And they would do that all to save just one single soul. So if that's what colonization is, then I'm all for it. Now, if uh, what we mean by colonization is these sort of, let's, you know, and I am Canadian, so I'm, I'm a fan of the English sort of tradition, but there is a dark spot of a kind of, um, uh, I want to say, kind of an Anglo-Saxon uh, type of colonialism that sadly um, was less, I don't know, delicate than I would say, for example, Spanish colonialism was. I think Spanish colonialism was kind of perfect. And that's evidenced by the fact that in Spanish countries writ large, Hispanic countries, you don't really find a massive history of slavery. Um, they were Catholic. That makes a big difference. Uh, but, you know, you have the mestizo race. I mean, you can't be more you can't be more tolerant of each other if you start marrying and having children together and make a race of people. Um, whereas in Canada, there was the English sort of tradition and uh, there was definitely a, a history of, of racism in the truest sense uh, between various groups. So if, 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 if what we mean by colonization is kind of a forced assimilation and a, an arbitrary erasure of all, of all traditions, that's wrong. Uh, but at the same time, with conversion, there will be a, a falling or there will be a, a, a trimming away of paganism because a lot of it's diabolical. So mm. it's kind of a fine line. It, it, it's almost you have to see it to, almost when you know when you see it, but you can't, it's hard to define you know what I find interesting about when when we discuss this these things or when people discuss them in general, like you mentioned the caller on that Canadian radio program earlier this week that made some wild claims. You know, we see this all the time. It's almost as though they're like uh, ignorant of just sort of basic common facts about history itself. Uh, we We interviewed a DNA expert uh, a couple weeks back, and he did a study on the histories of peoples. And it's a fascinating conversation. His book is very fascinating. It's why we interviewed him. And essentially, the history of all human persons is history of migration. And, uh, and they act as though the only evil in the world is European migration, European colonialism, European uh, crimes against other peoples. And yet, in, in North America, ca Canada or otherwise, uh, there was the first migration of peoples, and then there was additional migration of peoples well before Europeans showed up, which included slaughter, pillaging, theft, death, torture, and all the rest. But all of that gets ignored, and we just simply focus on what these terrible Europeans are doing. Why do you think so many people ignore the obvious when it comes to these topics? Uh, it's it's, it's uh, a disdain for Christ. That's why it is. Like, listen, I was, it's funny you mentioned this. I was watching a, a little, it's actually a fun little documentary series on YouTube you can watch with your family. It's about the coldest village on earth. It's got like 25 million views anyway. But it, it goes over these uh, um, inhabitants of this northeastern part of Russia. Now, when you watch the documentary, they're basically the same thing as an Inuit or what used to be called an Eskimo. Like, it's clear that they're of the same ethnic group. They walked over that bridge there near Alaska and came over it's clear that they're from the same people. It's, it's obvious. If you put them side by side with the same clothes on, you'd say, oh, they're both, they're both Inuits. Uh, but for some reason, in northeastern Russia, they're perfectly civilized, and I mean that in the, in the sense where they have civilization, family values, uh, you know, 
infrastructure, homes, no alcoholism. Like it's a real functioning, thriving place with schools and so forth where the exact same ethnic group in Canada has been completely destroyed. Um, the reason there is not because of migration. The reason there is not because of, uh, you know, one government. I mean, goodness gracious, those people lived under the Soviets. Talk about an oppressive regime. Um, there are, I don't know what the reason is, but I'm just saying it's not because of European colonization that some group descends into a pit of iniquity. Sadly, Native people in Canada have largely descended into that. If you drive by a Native reserve, it's a really sad affair. It really is, it's, it's, a really, it's a tragedy. But, but one of my priests the other day, you know, my son, my son attended the Canadian Martyrs Camp. At the, the SSPX runs that camp up here, and we were there for the final day in the, in the sermon. The priest said, you know, the Native people are worse off now than they were even before the, martyr, uh, the, the Europeans came. But it's not because uh, they lost it's not because of the Europeans. They had a golden age when the Europeans brought them Christianity. It's because they even lost the nobility that a pagan tribe would have. So, you know, they had at least their traditional values. They weren't alcoholics. They didn't have drugs. They didn't, they didn't have welfare. So even though they were living in the darkness of, of, of a false religion, they at least shared in those old world customs. Uh, and then they were Christianized and then had a golden age. And then because of Marxists, uh, because of liberals, white liberals using them as their pet project, uh, they've infected their minds and their hearts with Marxism, and now they view themselves as victims and they act apart. Um, ultimately, hatred of migration in the European sense is because what does it mean? It means hatred of evangelization, which is hatred of Christ. You know, Kennedy, I don't want to completely switch topics, but we only have about three minutes left in the conversation. Sure. And I wanted to ask what the perception of the Canadian people is about the Holy Father coming to Canada. It seems like some people are in outrage saying, how dare Canada be paying for the Holy Father to come here? And other people are, are very happy that he's coming here. So what is exactly the general perception between the government and the people on the Holy Father's visit? To be honest, it's, it's been so long since I read mainstream news. Uh, I think it's just mixed as far as I can tell. I mean, a lot of Catholics are happy. Uh, a lot of, in a good sense, obviously, it's the, he's the Pope. Um, the leftists are angry that the Pope hasn't basically said, I hereby abolish the Catholic Church and, and Christians are all evil. Um, and then I think a lot of people don't really care uh, because... Mm. People have lost interest in Justin Trudeau, and it's sort of as they don't want to see a stupid face on anything anymore, and and, uh, and they're just tired of it, and it's kind of a political stunt, I think. And people are tired of the, the residential school thing as well. It's just shoved down their throat too much, where it's kind of like the average Canadian is just kind of like, I didn't do this. I'm not a bad guy. Stop telling my, me I am. <laughs> and they don't want to be rec yeah. reminded of it, I think. Yeah. Hey, real quick, let me sneak this in as we're running out of time here. Um, a lot of people were were complaining or upset that the Pope wore a a tribal warrior yeah. headdress yesterday. I'm less concerned about that. I mean, I could imagine that if if he donned a Navy SEAL trident, SEALs would be upset about the indignity of stealing their honor. I get that. But the real question is, did he participate in any pagan rituals at all during this trip so far? you got about a minute. Yeah. He observed some, yeah. Uh, that powwow in general is a Mother Nature worship. It's a Pachamama worship thing, just with a different language. That is uh, deeply troubling. It is. It's Mother... I mean, you can listen to the... You can actually hear the, the powwows. They have, like, an MC. 
and he's going on about, you know, Mother Nature is the mother of all peoples, and she creates everything, and the mother of all life. I mean, it's, 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 it's pantheism. Now, I uh, imagine... Headre- Go ahead, sorry. sorry go well, I was going to say, the headdress thing doesn't bother me, technically speaking, because it's actually a sign of a king, so it's kind of a sign of respect to, to, to deserve that. But the context bothers me, because the optics are the Pope is totally cool with everything that just happened. Yeah. Now, I was just yeah. thinking, you know, St. Patrick also witnessed pagan rituals, but then he also tried to convert them immediately after. Uh, and yeah, he didn't apologize for the Druids after her. Right, exactly. So there's some clear contrasts here that is, I think, troubling as Catholics. We ought not to be participating in any pagan liturgies or rituals. Uh, there should be the, the fine line drawn there for sure, but uh, we're just about out of time now. Uh, Kennedy Hall from the Kennedy Report, so grateful for your time today. God bless you, my friend. Thank you. Talk to you guys soon. Have a great day. Uh, let's pray for His Holiness. Let's pray that he uh, speaks boldly to the, the people of Canada and encourages them to a deeper and fuller conversion to the one and only Savior of humankind. That's our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. May his precious and holy blood cover each and every one of us and cast out and bind all demonic forces that surround us. May he save us from diabolical influence, manipulation, and confusion in this world that we might have the clarity of the pearl of great price, the the treasure hidden in a field, that we should sell all that we have to purchase that glorious treasure. Hey, coming up after the break of the top of the hour, David L. Gray is going to be on. Bishop Pop Rocky has put out a very clear statement. Talk about clarity on pro-choice Catholic politicians and business leaders. We're going to be discussing that with him coming up. But uh, if you are not able to join us next hour, God bless you. God love you. Have a great day. We'll see you back here tomorrow. You can always hang out online. grnonline.com forward slash cdt. Hello, this is Steve Gleason with your one-minute tool for Catholic evangelism. Here's the question for your non-Catholic friend. Should churches have a structure of hierarchy? Your average non-Catholic evangelical would say, no, not needed. Here are the key reasons given. Each church or denomination should be autonomous and choose their own way of governing. Well, that's wrong. Hierarchy engenders pride and ego. Same as false humility. What works in Tulsa may not work in Paris. Let's not forget that Jesus and his church cross international boundaries. So here's your three best friendship tools for Catholic evangelism. Natural reason, the Bible, and the church. Natural reason says all social and legal Institutions necessitate certain human boundaries and designated leadership. Religion's not exempt. The Bible. The epistles of Peter, James, John, and Paul show clear standards of jurisdiction, authority, and hierarchy, with ramifications when ignored. And thirdly, the Catholic Church. St. Peter was given a chair, and from that authoritative chair, the Holy Spirit was promised to lead that chair until Christ comes. And thirdly, the Catholic Church says St. Peter was given a chair, and from that authoritative chair, the Holy Spirit was promised to lead that chair until Christ comes. The legs have been wobbly over the centuries at times, but that chair still stands strong. This is a Messy Family Minute with Mike and Alicia Hernan. Summer's here, and one of the most important things you can do with your children this summer is waste time with them. One of the best ways to waste time with kids is by playing with them. Card games, board games, group games, charades. But why are fun and games so important in family life? Having fun as a family reminds us that we are more than just a breadwinner or a chore machine. It's a way of reclaiming our identity as a family and spending time on those relationships that matter most. Fun and games helps to grease the wheels in family life and helps everyone to live and work together more effectively. Enjoying the presence of those we love also gives us a foretaste of heaven, that wonderful communion that we will have with loved ones and with God our Father. So ask yourself and your spouse this important question. How can we play together as a family this summer? 
For more on this topic, listen to our podcast on games at MessyFamilyMinute.org. Are you on the CDT Insider email list? Hi, Joe McLean here. And every week I send you cool stuff straight to your inbox, goodies that you're not going to want to miss. Go to grnonline.com forward slash CDT and get signed up today. Hello, this is Father Charles Van Fleet, pastor of Regina Chaley Parish in Northwest Houston, where the traditional Latin Mass is celebrated. Thank you for listening to KSHJ 1430 AM, Catholic radio throughout Metro Houston on the Guadalupe Radio Network. Welcome back to Catholic Drive Time, keeping you informed and inspired. I'm your host, Joe McLean. So good to be on with you. Praise be to God. Uh, We just wrapped up a great conversation with Kennedy Hall from the Kennedy Report about... His Holiness and the Canada Tour, some of the big concerns there, some of the misconceptions, some of the lies that have been perpetuated, and uh, actual abuses, too. We discussed that as well. I'm gravely concerned, to be honest with you, I'm still gravely concerned that His Holiness would participate, observe, uh, I guess it's one thing to observe someone's, like, pagan ritual, but right afterwards you'd be like, okay, teachable moment, that's bad, we shouldn't be doing those things. Like St. Patrick would have done, for instance, as just as an example. But to observe and never say anything, I, don't, I find that incredibly troubling. I think it's odd that the, the Holy Father is in your country mm-hmm. and the people planning this event mm-hmm. put some pagan stuff in front of the, the yeah. Holy Father. That's well, odd to me. I, yeah. If I was in charge, I would be mm-hmm. like, okay, definitely don't do that. Yeah. I think it I goes know. to like, uh, this notion that all religions are somehow equal. Yeah. Right. Like, well, God, you is you're taking you're taking their culture from them. Their pagan rituals or their culture. Well, this is what we have to convert. This is the part we have of their life. Maybe not their language. Their maybe not uh, like all the colors and the and the uh, sim- symbolism of some of their dress and and food or whatever those types of things. Like, of course, that stuff can stay. But pagan rituals and cultures that. That's that's what's got to go. That's the part that has to change. So to pretend as though those things are equal to the sacraments, uh, no. I mean that's that's deeply troubling, right? Yeah, and I have a I have a problem bringing this. I think it's called enculturation in the mass to bring these sorts of things into the mass. To me, it just seems so odd. It just mm. doesn't doesn't. There's a disconnect there, right? I mean, yeah. <clears throat> I always have a problem, you know, coming from Los Angeles. Uh, seeing uh, Aztec dancers perform inside of the church. I mean, that, yeah. that is a ritual. Yeah, uh, that don't worry, they do that here too. Yeah, they do it pretty much everywhere. It, it's, it has a ritual significance to the Aztecs, and I just don't think that's compatible. Yeah, it drives me nuts, because every, every year in the Feast for Lady Guadalupe, Mexican churches all over Texas will do these, this Aztec dance. Mm-hmm. And I was actually talking to a friend of mine about this, and the question was, well, is what we're doing, is what they are doing, is it Catholic in terms of the sense, like, is it the dance for Our Lady Guadalupe, mm-hmm. or is it the Aztec dance that's just of the same culture? And that's a good question that's never been answered to me. The other thing is, if it's done outside of the liturgy, well, that's a different cultural context than mm-hmm. doing it in the liturgy, because I've seen it done in place of the sermon. They replace the sermon <laughs> with the dance. That's and crazy, yes. I, I've been at churches yeah. that did this. That's and why not, I use the that's why I use the term pagan liturgy and pagan ritual. I'm trying to make distinctions between culture and their liturgies for their religion. 
Mm-hmm. Like we should eliminate their liturgies for their religion that was false, but you can keep culture. I mean, fine line there, but I think it should be. Ma- I think those distinctions should be made. And I'm again, if if His Holiness observed such pagan rituals but said nothing afterwards, that's problematic. Yeah, I think one, one thing I would be okay with enculturation if uh, we had a serious understanding mm-hmm. of what's going on, but because there is a spirit of, of ecumenia, of yeah. this, uh, this spirit of indifferentism, mm. be- because of that, I think we have to hold off on the enculturation and yeah. say, hey, we need to stay true and, and when a sense, rigid to what we believe and what our practices, our liturgical practices are. And once we have a more sane understanding mm-hmm. of uh, theology and philosophy, then mm-hmm. we can start looking and saying, okay, what's good here that we can enculturate, yeah. what's not good here, yeah. and look at it soberly. But yeah. right now, it's just all mania. Yeah, exactly. Hey, if uh, you, my dear listener, want to interact and uh, maybe comment on this topic and tell us what you're thinking about this, we would love to have you do that in our after show. You can comment directly on one of our live video feeds, all of which are linked up on our website, grnonline.com forward slash cdt. That's grnonline.com forward slash cdt. But joining us right now via Zoom chat is our good friend David L. Gray from davidlgray.info. Good morning to you david good morning gentlemen how's everyone doing praise be to god we are alive and that counts how are you oh yeah listen to um great show um great show so far obviously every day you have a great show but um yeah really interesting talk with kennedy hall from a kennedy report about um the whole pagan aspect really disturbed me i didn't know about that yeah yeah there was uh and they 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 announced it before its tour began that they were going to be doing stuff like this, and uh, it's like, what, what? No one, no one in the Canadian hierarchy said, you know, that may not be a great idea. Um, so, which is, I guess, again, very, very troubling. Hey, David, on a different topic altogether, I just noticed uh, that you're older than me, so I'm glad you're sitting down, my friend. I'm glad you're <laughs> not standing. I wouldn't want you to break a hip or throw something out, you know, and have to have surgery. But uh, how does it feel to be old? Just curious. Well, yeah, I'm, run, I'm coming up on 50, but 50 is the new 49, so <laughs> <laughs> I still feel 49. Yeah, I see. I'm not there quite yet. I'm close. I'm very close. But uh, so, I mean, emotionally, do you think it's going to be okay when you get there? I'm just curious. I'm still trying to figure out how to act my age. That's, okay. That's the problem. All right. So, have you chosen your midlife crisis yet? I mean, what what were your options? <laughs> <laughs> well, obviously, moving to Germany. <laughs> ah. I was about to say. <laughs> <laughs> Lederhosen is your midlife crisis. I got it. Yeah. Nice. yeah lots of sauerkraut. Yeah. Like <laughs> now, a uh, fair warning, they don't like uh, Americans in the far left lane on the Autobahn. So they will pull you over and they will harass you. So uh, just stay out of the far left lane, whatever you do. Unless, unless, I'm, going, unless I'm going west speed. It doesn't matter what speed you go. If they catch your American <laughs> license plate, they are going to pull you over. So uh, stay okay. clear. Stay clear. Okay. Uh, I appreciate right. that. Thank you for that. Let's uh, talk about some great news or some, uh, I would say, it seems to be great news. that You can tell me what's going on. But there was uh, the Catholic Times reported uh, from Bishop Thomas Paparaki that politicians and business leaders who promote abortion policies and benefits are not to receive Holy Communion. What's going down here? That was exciting news to hear. Now, I don't think his letter has got enough um, traction. Yeah, so thanks for um, talking about it on, on the show, Joe. So 
for those who think Chicago is the capital of Illinois, it's not. Um, <laughs> for those who think that Illinois is the correct pronunciation, it's not. It's Illinois. Um, but so Springfield is the capital of Illinois, and um, Bishop uh, Thomas John Pavarotti, he is the archbishop, I mean the bishop there. So he has under his care really all the politicians in in that in that state and in, in Illinois. So um, and Illinois is one of the most pro-abortion states in the union. It's the California of the Midwest in a lot of ways worse than worse than California. All of our, a lot of our tax dollars here are are used to directly fund <clears throat> um, child murder, abortion, and um, um, you, you 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 see we have lots of Planned Parenthoods here. Um, after the Roe Wade Doe Bolton reversal came out, um, they doubled down and you know um, made has made abortion. They they want to become Illinois. This has come out of the politicians' mouths. They want to make Illinois. They want to make abortion a the, one of the central businesses of Illinois. So that that's where we're at here. Wow. And so this letter came out that's published in the Catholic Times. It's a publication of the Diocese of Springfield, Illinois, in which um, Bishop John Pebrocki, he makes a distinction between formal and informal um, material cooperation with evil. And he starts the letter off pointing by the point of quoting Senator Dick Durbin, who is very he's a senator now. But when he was a um, when he was a I think a state rep in '89, he had made he had stated that he believed that um, in the right to life and that we should do everything to um, continue to support amendments to prohibit the form funding of elective abortion for federal employees. Now, as Bishop, as the Bishop Paraki, um, Paparaki notes, he's made like a lot of politicians has made a complete reversal. So in this letter, he he notes that um, politicians like him, he mentions Pelosi, he mentions Joe Biden, that they are formally cooperating with evil, and he says as such, they should they are not to receive Holy Communion because of their manifest obstinate and persistent promotion of grave sin and their strident support for intrinsic evil. He also says this applies to business executives who promote abortion and policy as well. And then he goes down and lists all of the um, corporations that he found finds um, are participating in that material corporation, such as Citigroup, Netflix, Adidas, and so forth. I, this is like the first time I've ever, see, I've ever seen a bishop. I mean, Corleone didn't even do this. He, he names business leaders in addition to politicians. The conversation has almost always been just about Catholic pro-choice politicians, but he's expanded this conversation. Yes, and wonderfully so. He, I mean, we, now, now we're thinking about, oh, and, 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 and um, bishop, the bishop notes that it's, it is difficult in, when we're talking about um, informal uh, material cooperation, and he, he, he pitches the um, truth in the context of um, intent. If you're in Illinois and you're spending money at um, Citigroup or, or Comcast, or, or you're paying taxes in Illinois, you know your taxes are going to go to uh, funding abortion. What is what's your intention there? If it's just to buy your Snickers or whatever your gas, well, your intent isn't to support it, so it's informal material cooperation. But if you're but if you're happy by the fact that your tax dollars in Illinois are going to fund abortion, or if you're persistent 
and promoting legislation which funds funds abortions, such as the politician here in the state and in, in, the, in, um, in Congress. Um, yes, that's formal material cooperation. And yes, you are sinning. It's a grave sin, he notes. Now, we're seeing it just, guess, just depends on the bishop. But, you know, it's interesting because there has been a lot of uh, sort of conflicted uh, converse, conversations coming out of the Vatican about uh, bishops having sort of autonomy over their diocese. You know, Tritia Scastotis was was sort of indicating that, but at the same time, there's really a consolidation of power at the Vatican, where they're having to call the Home Office almost for everything these days. Yeah. So that in that light, I wonder what you think what you think about this. Do you think it's possible that the Vatican will look at what's going on in America and saying, okay, well, you got some bishops that are like deny communion to pro-choice Catholics, and you got some bishops who are like, nah, forget it, we can give it to anybody. Uh, you think they're just going to make a ruling that will apply to everyone across the board, or will it just be, depending on the diocese you're in, as the rules you're going to have to follow? And that's that's something great to wonder what's going to happen. So I had uh, thought about that. We, we have um, a pope who, in some ways, wants to make a mess, right, wants things messy, um, but also at other times when he really believes in something, wants to bring down a hammer and, and unify and have this um, sense of we're all going to be on the same page. He did that with the nervous order, right? I mean, he's doing it, as you say. And so, man, I wouldn't be surprised, but it's kind of, it'd be difficult to change the, the magisterial teaching in this area. It really would be. Uh, well, yeah, I would say it would be troubling if they said, yeah, we have to give pro-choice Catholics communion. If that was an official you know, decision out of the Vatican, that would be an incredibly troubling one because you are, you are basically cooperating with grave moral evil and that's at that point. I mean, it seems like our day and our age is becoming more, more stark and contrasted every single day, wouldn't you say? It would, and I... I I would definitely encourage people to go out to the Catholic Times and take a look for themselves and read the bishop's letter here and take a look at these businesses. And we do have to raise the bar, I think. As, as the bishop says, yes, there's a distinction between formal and informal material cooperation, but we should definitely try to raise the bar in our life. If we know these businesses are supporting intrinsic evil, we should do our best to not support them. I'm not calling for boycotts or anything, but let's just let's just live our lives um, in as best as we can and be saints and not support evil in any way whatsoever. You know, I remember as a kid seeing all the rich kids with their Adidas on, you know, at school, and I thought, man, someday, someday. I couldn't afford Adidas back then. I can't afford it today, so I guess that makes it easier. Uh, by the way, David, Yvonne in our, our YouTube chat is saying, David L. Gray is the bomb diggity. Love his YouTube videos. So <laughs> there you go. David L. Gray, it's always good to talk to you. Check out his website, davidlgray.info. For the Gray Report, praise be to God. David, we'll see you next week. And coming up after the break, it is fear and trembling time. The Catholic Trivia Game Show with prizes at stake. You could win 877-757-9424. Call right now. Here are that. What should I keep in mind when I'm trying to defend my faith? Well, number one, ingrain this into your psyche. 
The Bible is a Catholic book. The Catholic Church gave it to the world, which means there is nothing, nothing in the Bible that is contrary to anything in the Catholic faith, and there is nothing in the Catholic faith that is contrary to anything in the Bible. Always remember that. This is important to remember because a lot of times folks will quote a passage from the Bible that proves the Catholic Church is wrong. Whenever someone quotes your Bible verse that proves the Catholic Church is wrong on something, your response should be, Amen. I believe what the Bible says. As a Catholic, I believe everything the Bible says. However, I don't agree with your personal infallible interpretation of that passage. And the reason you don't agree with their personal interpretation is because 100% of the time you're presented with a verse that proves the Catholic Church wrong, that verse has either A, been taken out of context, or B, the verse simply doesn't say what they're trying to make it say. Number two, and this flows directly from number one, the Catholic Church can be defended solely from the Bible better than any other Christian faith tradition can be. A good bit in the various Protestant faith traditions actually contradicts the Bible. So do not be afraid to engage non-Catholics in a discussion of the Bible. And number three, if you are ever asked a question about your faith that you cannot answer, don't worry. There is an answer for that question. You just need to go and find it. Simply respond, I don't know, but I will find out and get back to you. Then find out and get back to them. As Catholics, we need to reclaim the Bible. It's our book. We need to read it, pray it, learn it, and use it to bring our separated brothers and sisters back to the church. If you keep these things in mind, you have started down the road to being a very effective apologist for the Catholic faith. A beacon of truth in a troubled world. This is the Guadalupe Radio Network. Radio for your soul. Welcome to another round of fear and trembling. The Catholic Trivia Game Show that helps you work out your salvation by the seat of your pants. It's a 50-50 chance and prizes are involved. Avoid the weeping and gnashing of teeth. Call now to take your shot. 877-757-9424. And now your host, Joe McClain. Praise be to Jesus Christ. Welcome back to Catholic Drive Time and Fear and Trembling. The Catholic Trivia Game Show, where secrets and agendas are had by all. Uh, sorry, I don't mean to, to laugh, but uh, Adrian was, uh, he was uh, standing in the back of making funny faces at poor Rudy there. But uh, listen, <laughs> we have several things on the back end, on the, the down low, that we, what do the kids say to these days? I got to get the cool. Uh, they say no cap for no, real. No cap for reals, yo. Is that how they do it? <laughs> I gotta, I gotta watch more TikTok. No more. Okay, yo, so last generation. You don't want to watch TikTok, trust me. All right, no TikTok. Okay, anyway, moving on. Listen, we have things we do here, but we don't want to tell people about it. So you have to promise me to keep it just between us. All right. Number one, we like to teach the faith, so we do look for teachable moments in the questions where you might learn something that you did not know before. Praise be to God. And then, of course, we like to have a laugh. We like to chuckle and have a good time. And our callers are certifiably amazing. And we enjoy that most. And then, of course, we give out prizes, which means it's a winner for everybody involved. But if you're new here, I have three Catholic trivia questions sitting before me. Uh, but we do not ask the caller the questions. So they don't need to know. They could not know a single correct answer and still win. Because instead, I will ask Rudy, I will ask Adrian, one of which will be correct, and the other will be incorrect. The caller will then have 15 seconds on the clock to make a decision. 
Whomst do they trust more, Rudy or Adrian? And every correct answer goes into the coffee cup of divine providence to win this week's prize. Rudy, what can they win? Praise be to God. Our sponsor this week is the Catholic Candle Company. The winner this week is going to win a Mary and Joseph candle set. Each different candle is inspired scent-wise by St. Joseph and our Blessed Mother. And uh, the set includes four Four different candles. Uh, they're going to be hand-poured with a prayer in Franklinton, North Carolina. Please make sure to check out their wares and consider picking up a set for yourself. Just search for the Catholic Candle Company on Etsy. Thank you very much, Catholic Candle Company. All right. Praise be to God. We're very grateful to the Catholic Candle Company on Etsy. God bless you. God love you. Let's go to the phones. Hey, John, is this our friend from Queen of Angels and Dickinson? This is. Yes, sir. Praise be to God, John. Good morning to you. How are you? I'm well. How about y'all? Uh, we are alive, and that counts, John. And, uh, you know, I don't know if you can ask better for that right now anyway, right? 100%. 100%. What's on your agenda today? Where are you headed to? I'm actually headed to work. Um, headed to, to go and do uh, yeah, some work today. Praise so, be to God. Listen there on my drive. Well, digging ditches today? By the sweat of your brow. <laughs> Better you than us, then, John. Better you than us, yeah. my friend. Uh, all right, I know you've played this game before. You know how it works, but you ought to know. I have a duty and obligation to uh, to tell you that Rudy is wearing a maroon tie today. Gigum. Uh, so correlate that information based on his performance as you see fit, John. Oof. All right, we'll do. Yeah, exactly. But I'm on your side, so let's do this. We're going to start with Team Rudy. Rudy, are you ready? I'm ready. Are you sure? Yes. Hmm. Are you really sure? Yes. Okay, I guess. Let's do this. Uh, can you tell me, we're going to start with probably the hardest one today. Okay. What term refers to the penalty by which a baptized person is excluded from membership in the church and therefore ineligible to receive the sacraments. Oh, man, I hate it when that happens. <laughs> it's an ecclesi it ecclesiastical happen? term. Okay. Mm -hmm. And it's known as permaband. 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 Permanently well, that's awfully, banned. like, a, whew, technical. Yep. Permaband. That's Latin. Like your perm? Like <laughs> yeah, your perm? Zoomer perm. Oh. <laughs> permaband, you say. Permaband. Permaband. Um, you just said perma. I had an image of Weird Al Yankovic pop in my head. Don't do that again, please. <laughs> uh, all right, uh, Adrian. That's me. Um, technically, you identify as a scholar on technical words from the church. Uh, yes, I am actually a mm -hmm. doctor mm -hmm. in uh, canon law. At least I'm I currently identifying as one. I see. Okay. Can you tell me then, sir, what term refers to the penalty by which a baptized person mm. is excluded from membership in the church and therefore ineligible to receive the Holy Sacraments. Ah, yes. Well, I mean, one might say that this uh, penalty has fallen on Joe Biden and Nancy Pelosi, and that would be excommunication, one might say. Ooh. Has that actually happened? I missed the... Not officially. I missed the... Hmm. All right, so your answer is excommunication. It is. Well, John in Dickinson, you've got options here. Adrian seems to think it's excommunication, but Rudy says it's permaban. Fifteen seconds on the clock. Who's right? Who's wrong? John, what say you? Well, I'm going with Adrian. Definitely excommunication. The, 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 John. John. <laughs> <laughs> 
John is a brilliant man. John. So clearly. Okay, cl okay John. Mm. The rules state clearly that if you have to agree with Adrian, you must do so with some That's fake news. Uh, deference, That's fake news. with some trepidation, hesitation. When in doubt, go with Adrian. That's <laughs> One should say. not so readily and confidently say Adrian is correct. I may be a hypocrite, but I'm still right. <laughs> All right, excommunication is the correct answer. Permaban does not exist. Are you sure? All right. That's on Call of Duty. Neither does excommunication, apparently. But nonetheless, <laughs> yeah, nonetheless, <laughs> nonetheless, we are going to move on. You're in the cup, John. You could win. Let's ask right. the second question. Easily the easiest question today. What? Oh, we're going, to, oh, we're going with Adrian first. Me? Yes. I'm Adrian. Yes, you okay, are. Okay, just making sure. Praise be to I God. I get confused sometimes. What feast is observed 50 days after Easter? 50 days after Easter. That would be Pentecost. That's really? where the word penta comes mm -hmm. from. Okay. 50, 50 yeah. days after Easter. Pentecost. A little, a little on the nose there, don't you think? Nose goes. Okay. All right. Pentecost. Nonetheless, you're going with Pentecost. I'm going with Pentecost. Okay. Let the fire rain. All right. Praise it's going to be lit. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Rudy. Uh, wait. Hold yeah. up. Rudy? Yeah? Uh, do we have a wardrobe change? I, What's, I don't... What? What are you talking about? Uh, Rudy is somehow no longer wearing a tie. Was I? Yeah, Giga, remember the Merman thing? You sure? Yeah. I'm pretty sure. Weird. Uh, John, you should know, Rudy has <laughs> removed his tie. That's kind of weird. Oof. I'm uncomfortable. Yeah. Uh, Rudy, can you tell me... Yikes, now I'm really nervous. What are you going to say? Rudy, can you tell me what feast is observed 50 days after Easter? Uh, well, that's a trick question, Joe, because Easter is 55 days long. Is it? You can't fool me. So no penta going down there? No, not yet. Okay. Mm-hmm. So, 55. What is your answer? <laughs> oh. Hmm. Well, Easter? actually, it's Easter, Joe. So, so the answer is Easter. Yeah, it's Easter. <laughs> oh, I see. It's a trick question. A trick oh, my. Yeah. Okay. Uh-huh. John, you got, uh, you got options here. Rudy seems to suggest... That the uh, the feast observed 50 days after Easter is Easter, uh, whereas Adrian is somehow thinking it's Pentecost. 15 seconds on the clock. Who's right? Who's wrong? Who's a little early in answering? John, what say you? I'm going with Adrian again. I got it. I'm so in the uh, in the great spirit of apology tours. Uh, I am so sorry that you have had to admit Adrian is correct twice in a row. No, it's on behalf on behalf of all of Catholic Drive Time. Uh, please accept my sincere apology. Everyone knows that it's only right and just to go with Adrian. May May culpa. I'll, I'll, I'll accept the apology. It's okay. Good. Uh, Good. Praise be to God. I gotta. Yeah. You gotta. You gotta inflate it a little bit. Uh, exactly. Exactly. Ego needs to get a little bigger. It's a little small at the moment. Umbequito. Umbequito. The, the day's just started, though. All right, we're gonna go back. Guys, come before the fall. <laughs> <All right>. <laughs> <Yikes>. <laughs> Let me step back here. Uh, all right, so we're gonna go to Rudy for this third question, and uh, this one. Okay, I was wrong about the first question. This question is easily the hardest of the day. Nah, this question's mm. super easy. Oh, easy peasy. Okay, we're gonna go anybody back. when everybody knows the answer. We're gonna find out. We're gonna go back to Rudy. Rudy, you had another wardrobe change. <coughs> what? The tie has made its comeback. I guess. What? It's back I don't on. know what you're talking about. Nothing's changed. The tie is hmm? back on Rudy for some odd reason. 
Okay, Rudy, can you tell me how many times were the bells rung by the altar boy during a high master? If you're counting the amount of bells that are rung, you're not paying attention. You're not actively participating. Oh, is that right? But if you were to count, you would oh. know it's four. I'm writing that down. Stop counting the bells. <laughs> yeah, Joe says there, he's like, one, two, three, four. <laughs> I, no, actually, I cheat. My sons are altar servers. I just asked them. Your answer was what again? Four. Four, four. Okay, four. Huh. Adrian. Uh, That's me. Can you tell me? I think you once observed a high mass at some I've point. I've been to a high life. mass once or twice. Could you tell me how many times were the bells rung by the altar boys during that high mass, please? Yes, I can tell you. Oh, you you asked me to actually tell me. Uh, Say it. Yes. I thought you were just asking if I could I would, do it. I would be grateful. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. If for you sure. would tell me. Uh, I'm gonna go with fourteen. Fourteen. Yes. Some arbitrary number. Well, not like, quite arbitrary, just but pull it out of the sky. Just like drawing it out of nowhere. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Okay. Well, uh, let's see here. John in Dickinson. Uh, hi, Mass. Is it fourteen times the bells rung, as Adrian says, or four, as Rudy seems to think? Fifteen seconds on the clock. Who's right? Who's wrong? John, what say you? Now, does this include um, three during the the consecration? One before, one after. Cool. Correct. Plus, but, okay, then we're going to go 14. <laughs> Are you sure? <laughs> <laughs> you know, <laughs> yeah, three times having to admit Adrian is correct is a real rough day. That's John. a great start to your day, John. So sorry. You've Clearly, John is a brilliant man, a very Such handsome man. I bet he has a beautiful girlfriend. But it's great. The humble Thank make you. it to Thank heaven. You. Let's just admit that. The humble make it to heaven. 14 times is the correct answer. The bell's rung in high mass. John, congratulations. You're in the cup three times. Thanks for playing our game today. You were a lot of fun, sir. Thank you so much, and thank you, Adrian. God bless you. We're going to put you on hold, but that's going to do it for the radio side. Join us, if you can, in the after show. We'd love to get your commentary on the topics of the day. Thank you for joining us on Your Catholic Drive Time, where it is our pleasure to keep you informed and inspired. Join us Monday through Friday at the same time, right here on your favorite Catholic radio station. Don't forget to connect with us. Just go to facebook.com forward slash Catholic Drive Time. Again, that's facebook.com forward slash Catholic Drive Time. Be sure to share more than just us today. Share Jesus with everyone you meet. Bye now, and God love you. Guadalupe Radio Network now brings you the Holy Sacrifice of the Mass from the chapel at Our Lady of Corpus Christi in Corpus Christi, Texas. Welcome to the Holy Mass from Our Lady of Corpus Christi in Corpus Christi, Texas. Today we offer this Holy Sacrifice of the Mass for all of our online viewers and all those listening in on the Guadalupe Radio Network. O oh, worship the King, all-glorious above, O oh, gratefully sing His power and His love, our shield and defender, the Ancient of Days, pavilioned in splendor and girded with praise. 
In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the communion of the Holy Spirit be with you all. And with your spirit. Let us acknowledge our sins and so prepare ourselves to celebrate the sacred mysteries. I confess to Almighty God and, and to you, my brothers and sisters, that I have greatly sinned in my thoughts and in my words, in what I have done and in what I have failed to do, through my fault, through my fault, through my most grievous fault. Therefore I ask, Blessed Mary of a Virgin, all the angels and saints, and you, my brothers and sisters, to pray for me to the Lord our God. May Almighty God have mercy on us, forgive us our sins, and bring us to everlasting life. Amen. Kyrie eleison, Kyrie eleison, Kyrie eleison, Let us spring. O God, protector of those who hope in you, without whom nothing has firm foundation, nothing is holy, bestow in abundance your mercy upon us, and grant that with you as our ruler and guide, we may use the good things that pass in such a way as to hold fast even now to those that ever endure. Through our Lord Jesus Christ, your Son, who lives and reigns with you in the unity of the Holy Spirit, God forever and ever. Amen. A reading from the book of the prophet Jeremiah. Woe to me, mother, that you gave me birth, a man of strife and contention to all the land. I neither borrow nor lend, yet all curse me. When I found your words, I devoured them. They became my joy and the happiness of my heart, because I bore your name, O Lord, God of hosts. I did not sit celebrating in the circle of merrymakers. Under the weight of your hand, I sat alone, because you filled me with indignation. Why is my pain continuous, my wound incurable, refusing to be healed? You have indeed become for me a treacherous brook, whose waters do not abide. Thus the Lord answered me, If you repent, so that I restore you, in my presence you shall stand. If you bring forth the precious without the vile, you shall be my mouthpiece. Then it shall be they who turn to you, and you shall not turn to them. And I will make you toward this people a solid wall of brass. Though they fight against you, they shall not prevail, for I am with you to deliver and rescue you, says the Lord. I will free you from the hand of the wicked and rescue you from the grasp of the violent. The word of the Lord. God is my refuge on the day of distress. God is my refuge on the day of distress. Rescue me from my enemies, O my God. From my adversaries, defend me. Rescue me from evildoers, from bloodthirsty men. Save me. God is my refuge on the day of distress. For behold, they lie in wait for my life. Mighty men come together against me, not for any offense or sin of mine, O Lord. God is my refuge on the day of distress. O my strength, for you I watch, 
for you, O God, are my stronghold. As for my God, may his mercy go before me. May he show me the fall of my foes. God is my refuge on the day of distress. But I will sing of your strength and revel at dawn in your mercy. You have been my stronghold, my refuge in the day of distress. God is my refuge on the day of distress. O oh, my strength, your praise will I sing. For you, O oh God, are my stronghold, my merciful God. God is my refuge on the day of distress. Alleluia, alleluia, alleluia. Alleluia, alleluia, alleluia. I call you my friends, says the Lord, for I have made known to you all that the Father has told me. Alleluia, alleluia, alleluia. The Lord be with you. And with your spirit. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to Matthew. Glory to you, O Lord. Jesus said to his disciples, The kingdom of heaven is like a treasure buried in a field, which a person finds and hides again, and out of joy goes and sells all that he has and buys that field. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant searching for fine pearls. When he finds a pearl of great price, he goes and sells all that he has and buys it. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. There was a doctor from Los Angeles, worked in the ER, and uh, during the weekends he would work on the as a doctor to the uh, United States Olympic freestyle skiing team. And this doctor eventually discovered Mother Teresa of Calcutta and started to go to Calcutta for half of the year to be to learn from Mother Teresa and she said I will teach you medicine you will teach me medicine but I will teach you healing and this doctor went to her and he, he asked her can you please show me how to pray and they would pray every morning uh, Mother Teresa had a holy hour for two hours. She'd stay in front of the Blessed Sacrament every morning for two hours. And he would sit across the aisle from her in adoration. Uh, and he, at the end of adoration, he would ask her for pointers. And she, the very first day when he asked her, how do you pray, she said, give up your things. And he said, no, I'm, I'm, I'm asking you a spiritual question. Uh, I want I want a spiritual answer. She said, "Get rid of your things." And she said, "No, no. I I don't know if you understand. This this old nun doesn't really understand what I'm saying. I'm sa talking about something spiritual. I, I'm looking for some kind of spiritual advice." She said that there's too many things weighing down your heart, and it's hard for you to lift your spirit to heaven. Kind of reminded me of Jesus saying to uh, Martha, Martha, you are worried about many things. You have many preoccupations and concerns. And the truth is that just like this pearl of great price, you have to get, you have to let go of your very self, not just your material possessions. You have to let go of any 
spiritual possessions you have interior, but uh, physical in, uh, possessions kind of are a sign of that. Now, not everybody can go and sell all they have and give to the poor and go and follow Jesus. That's uh, not everything, not everybody can do that. But St. Paul gives a pointer in his first letter to the Corinthians uh, chapter 6. He says, to have all things as though you did not have them. Or as that pithy saying goes, do not let your possessions possess you. You have to possess them, don't let them possess you. Don't let them be inside of you, or inside of your head. Don't waste your time on these many things. And the, the ultimate pearl of great price Jesus is referring to is ultimately our freedom. Uh, analogously, it's interesting that he compares that to selling everything you have, all of your opinions, all of your ideas, all of your ideologies, sell, let go of yourself entirely. And unless you let go entirely of yourself, you cannot you know, possess the kingdom of God. Similarly, you have to let go of, if you're going to grab onto something, you have to let go of it. Uh, you cannot possess this. I remember when I was a young, when I was called to, to religious life, there was a moment when I realized this, I, and in fact, I think I, I said to myself one day, I'm going to go ahead and try the words of Jesus. So I didn't sell everything. I, I actually just gave it to Catholic Charities. Everything I had, including, I remember I was arguing about myself about the, the nail clippers and the, the stapler and all these little things that I thought, oh, but, but, but wait, I might need this. Uh, and I remember putting it all in a, in a bunch of bags and giving it to Catholic Charities. And as I drove home, I felt so much joy. I, I felt so light. I had to actually stop the car uh, because I was weeping for joy. It was such a, the, one of the most liberating, freeing moments of my life where just giving every single thing I had and, and I, could, I could fit everything I had into a bag and head off to Central America to uh, our religious aspirancy uh, program that was there in, in Belize. Just heading off feeling so lighter than a feather. And we, we can't all, you know, go off to religious life, but we can definitely not have everything. And Mass and, and mental prayer, the beginning of that, when you're really attending Mass, you really are letting go of everything in all of its entirety and saying, Jesus, I want you. I don't want anything else. I just want you, Lord. And the person that does this par excellence, greater than any saint or religious, is the Blessed Virgin Mary, who was who lived a lot, her uh, life, her state in life as a married woman, and she had to do con conduct the things of this world, and she had to you know, live in, in Nazareth and, and, and work and, you know, but she emptied herself entirely of herself and embraced God. May the prayers of the Blessed Mother show us how to do this with joy and enthusiasm and to do this with generosity. Let us bring our petitions to the Lord. We pray for the whole church that it may shine forth the holiness of Jesus Christ we pray that the Holy Spirit raise up saints of our generation. For this we pray to the Lord. Lord, hear our prayer. We pray for our Holy Father, all bishops and priests, that they may lead the church with wisdom and courage. We pray to the Lord. Lord, hear our prayer. 
We pray for government leaders for an end to abortion, same-sex unions, gender confusion, and human trafficking. We pray to the Lord. Lord, hear our prayer. We pray for the sick, the suffering, the poor. We pray to the Lord. Lord, hear our prayer. For an increase of vocations to priesthood and religious life, we pray to the Lord. Lord, hear our prayer. We pray for all of our intentions. We pray to the Lord. Lord, hear our prayer. Eternal and blessed Father, we ask you to hear us, for make these and all our petitions in the holy and living name of Jesus Christ and through the powerful intercession of our Mother Mary as we pray together. Hail, Hail Mary, full, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Be thou my vision, O Lord of my heart. All else be naught to me, save that thou art. Thou my best thoughts by day or by night, waking or sleeping, thy presence my light. Be thou my wisdom, and thou my true word. I ever with thee, and thou with me, Lord. Thou my great Father, thine own may I be. Thou in me dwelling, and I one with thee. Pray, brethren, that my sacrifice and yours may be acceptable to God, the Almighty Father. May the Lord accept the sacrifice at your hands for the praise and glory of his name, for our good and the good of all his holy church. Accept, O Lord, we pray, the offerings which we bring from the abundance of your gifts, that through the powerful working of your grace, these most sacred mysteries may sanctify our present way of life and lead us to eternal gladness. Through Christ our Lord. Amen. The Lord be with you. And with your spirit. Lift up your hearts. We lift them up to the Lord. Let us give thanks to the Lord our God. It is right and just. It is truly right and just, our duty and our salvation, always and everywhere to give you thanks, Father most holy, through your beloved Son, Jesus Christ, your word through whom we made all things, whom you sent as our Savior and Redeemer, incarnate by the Holy Spirit and born of the Virgin, fulfilling your will and gaining for you a holy people, he stretched out his hands as he endured his passion, so as to break the bonds of death and manifest the resurrection. And so with angels and all the saints, we declare your glory as with one voice we acclaim. Sanctus, Sanctus, Sanctus Dominus Deus Sabaoth, Plenis Uncelia Terra, Gloria Tua, Hosanna in excelsis, benedictus, qui venit in nomine Domini, Hosanna in excelsis. You are indeed holy, O Lord, and all you have created rightly gives you praise. For through your Son, our Lord Jesus Christ, by the power and working of the Holy Spirit, you give life to all things and make them holy and you never cease to gather a people to yourself, so that from the rising of the sun to its setting, 
a pure sacrifice may be offered to your name. Therefore, O Lord, we humbly implore you, by the same Spirit, graciously make holy these gifts we have brought to you for consecration, that they may become the body and blood of your Son, our Lord Jesus Christ, at whose command we celebrate these mysteries. For on the night he was betrayed, he himself took bread, and giving you thanks, he said the blessing, broke the bread, and gave it to his disciples, saying, Take this, all of you, and eat it, for this is my body, which will be given up for you. similar way when supper was ended he took the chalice and giving you thanks he said the blessing and gave the chalice to his disciples saying take this all of you and drink from it for this is the chalice of my blood the blood of the new and eternal covenant which will be poured out for you and for many for the forgiveness of sins do this in memory of me mystery of faith, we proclaim your death, O Lord, and profess your resurrection until you come again. Therefore, O Lord, as we celebrate the memorial of the saving passion of your Son, his wondrous resurrection and ascension into heaven, and as we look forward to his second coming, we offer you in thanksgiving this holy and living sacrifice. Look, we pray upon the oblation of your church and recognizing the sacrificial victim by whose death you will to reconcile us to yourself. Grant that we who are nourished by the body and blood of your son and filled with this Holy Spirit may become one body, one spirit in Christ. May he make of us an eternal offering to you so that we may obtain an inheritance with your elect, especially with the most blessed Virgin Mary, mother of God, with blessed Joseph, her spouse, with your blessed apostles and glorious martyrs, and with all the saints on whose constant intercession in your presence we rely for unfailing help. May this sacrifice of our reconciliation, we pray, O Lord, advance the peace and salvation of all the world. Be pleased to confirm in faith and charity your pilgrim church on earth with your servant, Francis, our Pope, Michael, our Bishop, the Order of Bishops, all the clergy, and the entire people you have gained for your own. Listen graciously to the prayers of this family, whom you summon before you in your compassion, O merciful Father. Gather to yourself all your children scattered throughout the world, to our departed brothers and sisters, and to all who are pleasing to you at their passing from this life. Give kind admittance to your kingdom. There we hope to enjoy forever the fullness of your glory. Through Christ our Lord, through whom you bestow on the world all that is good. Oh, him and with him and in him, O God, Almighty Father, in the unity of the Holy Spirit, all glory and honor is yours forever and ever. Amen. moniti et divin institutioni formati, audehimus dicere. Pater Noster, qui es in celis, sanctificetur nomen tuum, adveniat regnum tuum, 
Fiat voluntas tua, secut in cielo et in terra. Panem nostrum quotidianum da nobis hodie, et imite nobis ebita nostra, secut et nos imitimus, debitoribus nostris, et ne nos inducas in tentationem, Deliver us, Lord, we pray, from every evil. Graciously grant peace in our days, and by the help of your mercy we may be always free from sin and safe from all distress as we await the blessed hope and the coming of our Savior, Jesus Christ. For the kingdom, the power, and the glory are yours now and forever. Lord Jesus Christ, who said to your apostles, Peace I leave you, my peace I give you. Look not on our sins, but in the faith of your church. And graciously grant her peace and unity in accordance with your will, who live and reign forever and ever. Amen. The peace of the Lord be with you always. And with your spirit. On you stay, quitolis peccata mundi, miserere nobis. On you stay, Qui tolis peccata mundi, miserere nobis. Agnus Dei, qui tolis peccata mundi, dona nobis pacem. Behold the Lamb of God. Behold him who takes away the sins of the world. Blessed are those who are called to the supper of the Lamb. Lord, I am not worthy that you should come enter under my roof, but only say the word, and my soul shall be healed. Communion Antiphon. Bless the Lord, O my soul and never forget all his benefits. An act of spiritual communion. My Jesus, I believe that you are present in the most holy sacrament. I love you above all things, and I desire to receive you into my soul. Since I cannot at this moment receive you sacramentally, come at least spiritually into my heart. I embrace you as if you were already there, and unite myself wholly to you. Never permit me to be separated from you. Amen. de Maria Virgine Vere pasum imalatu in cruce promine cuius latus perforatum Fluxit aqua et sanguine. Esto nobis pregustatum, 
mortis in examine. O Jesu dulcis, O Jesu pie, O Jesu pie Marie. consumed, O Lord, this divine sacrament, the perpetual memorial of the passion of your Son. Grant, we pray, that this gift which he himself gave us with love beyond all telling may profit us for salvation through Christ our Lord. Amen. The Lord be with you. And with your spirit. Bow down for the blessing. May the Lord bless you and keep you. Amen. May he let his face shine upon you and show you his mercy. Amen. May he turn his countenance toward you and give you his peace. Amen. And may the blessing of Almighty God, the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, come down on you and remain with you forever. Amen. The Mass is ended. Go in peace. Thanks be to God. Salve Regina. Mater misericordiae, vita dulcedu, et spes nostra salve, ad eclamamus, exules filieve, ad te suspiramus, gementes et lentes, in hoc lacrimarum vale. Ea ergo advocata nostra, illusus misericordes aculos ad nos converte. Et Iesum benedictum fructum ventris tui, Nobis post hoc exilium ostende. O clemens, O pian, O dulcis virga Maria. Prayer to St. Michael. St. Michael the Archangel, defend us in battle. Be our protection against the wickedness and snares of the devil. May God rebuke him, we humbly pray. And do thou, O Prince of the Heavenly Host, by the power of God, cast into hell Satan and all the evil spirits who prowl about the world seeking the ruins of souls. Amen. 
prayer of deliverance. Almighty God and Father, we beg thee through the intercession and help of the archangels, Saint Michael, Raphael, and Gabriel, for the deliverance of our brothers and sisters who are enslaved by the evil one from anxiety, sadness, and obsessions. We implore thee, deliver us, O Lord. From hatred, fornication, and envy. We implore thee, deliver us, O Lord. From thoughts of jealousy, rage, and death. We implore thee, deliver us, O Lord. From every thought of suicide and abortion. We implore thee, deliver us, O Lord. From every form of sinful sexuality. We implore thee, deliver us, O Lord. From every division in our family and every harmful friendship. We implore thee, deliver us, O Lord. From every sort of spell, malefice, witchcraft, and every form of the occult. We implore thee, deliver us, O Lord. Thou who said, Peace I leave with you, my peace I give unto you, grant that through the intercession of the Virgin Mary we may be liberated from every demonic influence and enjoy that peace always. In the name of Christ our Lord. Amen. Spreading the splendor of truth. This is the Guadalupe Radio Network. Radio for your soul. Hi, I'm Father Cedric Bezania from Holy Name Retreat Center in 